Just waiting for it to get the green light from YouTube. There we are. Think we're in business. Yeah, we're in business. Okay. Hi, everyone. Remember this guy? Remember this guy? This is my man, Barbus. We're doing well here. He wants to say hi. Say hi, buddy. <laughs> now he's all quiet. Oh, you say a lot when there's other dogs here. Um, this is, uh, I don't know what this is. I'm just going to my weekend, we or, excuse me, my, my weekend recap. We'll just talk about, I don't know, news, current events, that kind of a thing. Uh, you know the dealio. You can donate in the super chat to get a question. You can subscribe there, and uh, we'll make this happen. This is Barbus. Manos arriba. Yeah, so let's get this going, shall we? We shall. All right, Barbus is not really having it right now. He's kind of not wanting to be here. Let me put him away so we don't have to deal with this. Give me just a second. Okay, we're back. Hi, everybody. Luke Thomas here. Hope you're doing well. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, I guess I'll treat this a bit like a uh, like a post-fight review, although I'm a little bit more interested in taking questions than normal, so I don't know. You don't have to donate if you don't want to. I'll answer questions no matter what, but um, obviously donations. So people are like, what do they go for? They go for a lot of things, including upgrades to equipment. Now, people who don't do this may not understand what the equipment costs uh could be, but I have a tower here, this mic, the mic boom, the stand, the Sony a7 III, you have to get the right lens, you have to get the right lighting, you have to get the right sound, you have to get a lot of things, and now, because I want to do multi-camera shoots, I want to start getting multi-cameras. If you notice the shot that I did with Eric Kerner for uh, his last video, we had the nice uh, a7 III with a different lens. Oops, I don't want to change the, uh, the zoom. And then we had to use GoPros on the side. I don't want to do that. I want to have nice single, um, if I can, Sony mirrorless all the way through. But that's what it goes to. That's what it goes to. Every time I do one of those, uh, it helps. Not not a tremendous amount, but it definitely helps. So uh, keep that in mind. Hope everyone had a great weekend. I wanted to do a live one on the weekend, but honestly, man, like I have to do one next weekend till 4 in the morning. And the baby is sleeping through the night, but it's like... 9 p.m. to 5 or 6 a.m., which, by the way, is a massive improvement over what it was before, but nevertheless, not great. So, um, you know, when I get done with these, I'm done at like 2.30 in the morning, then, you know, you have to wait to get all the ads right, that takes another hour, um, you have to put everything up on podcast, pl it just takes a long time, so you're in bed by 4.00. And then she's up again in two hours. It's not great. So if I can avoid doing that in back-to-back -back weekends, I was going to. Um, yeah. So I'm sure people have some questions about what my next step is. What I can tell you is you'll have an announcement either at the end of this week or at the beginning of next. Uh, that is how that is going to go. I'm not exactly sure yet when it's going to come out, but one of those two is the answer. My hunch is probably the beginning of next. So I would say in seven days time at a bare minimum you will hear and trust me when i tell you it will be worth the wait um 
you can believe that or you cannot believe that, but I'm telling you that's what's going to happen. So um, I'm very, very excited, but today is not the day to uh, to make some announcements. But if you got some questions about like MMA media, because part of that feeds into why I made the decision that I did, some of those I might be able to get to. Some of those. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, as always, you can uh, subscribe below. By the way, I am so close to 100,000. It's weird. Some months I'll make a ton of money and then have low subs. Some, mon- some months I make okay money and high subs. This last month was like a gangbusters one. I was like, because well, of the Chael Sonnenfeld. The Chael Sonnenfeld was good, but that was actually my s- second, uh, my my post-fight show for UFC 238 brought me twice as many subs and made more money. So there, it was fine for our controversy, I guess, but it wasn't in any way some like outlier high earner. Um. In any event, I'm happy to be here on Monday. Can I tell you how happy I am to be here on Monday, dude? Like, I was tired. I uh, was tired of taking um, sleeping pills so I could, you know, go to bed at night on Sundays and then again on Wednesdays. I went to bed at a normal hour last night. I got up on time. I got to see my daughter on Monday, which the last couple of Mondays I haven't been able to. Um, feels good. Feels very good. <laughs> Long overdue. Um now, the projects are going to pick back up here, as I mentioned, very soon, but I have to tell you, that was a very fun thing that I was um, delighted about to, to, to experience. So, uh, so yeah. So, yeah. So, where do you guys want to start? We want to start, let's see, we want to start with the fight recap. Um, all right, let's see. Where do we want to go with this one? Where is everybody at on here? Yeah, let's go with some... Let's go with some fight recaps, and then we'll get to your questions at the end, per huge. All right, let's do that. So, let me pull this up here. UFC Minneapolis. All right, uh, I put up my preview. By the way, oh, one final housekeeping note, and then we'll get into this. Um, so, for the time being, and it's got nothing to do with me. Somebody else fucked it up for everybody. But for the time being, I actually can't post any SiriusXM vids on my YouTube channel. I don't think that is permanent. I think that's just temporary. But if that's the case, I'm not going to stop. I'm going to actually keep posting videos. So one thing I was thinking about doing was, if you want to email me, LukeThomasNews at gmail.com, I will pick maybe one, maybe two, if the questions are really good. But I'm thinking about answering maybe one or two questions for a Friday mailbag. Every Friday, I won't do it live. It'll be recorded. And I'll come out and answer one of your questions. So shoot me an email, LukeThomasNews at gmail.com. Even if I end up bringing back the SiriusXM vids tomorrow or next week, i kind of been toying over that idea a little bit. I get really good emails. Um, Twitter responses, not so great. Instagram responses, they're just, it's just a lot of, even when people are friendly, which is, which is nice, there's just not a lot to anything. It's the emails when people really begin to dig into details a little bit. I've, I've really noticed that. Um, so it's less about the tone and more, because plenty of people challenge you on email, but it's more about the depth of the question. So if you've got one, LukeThomasNews at gmail.com, shoot me one. I'll pick one or maybe two. We'll see how it goes. I'm trying to figure that part out. And we'll have a Friday mailbag right here on this channel, exclusive to this channel and nowhere else. I won't post it, you know, uh, or, you know, it's not, it's not a joint project. All right? All right. There we go. Okay. UFC Minneapolis took place at the Target Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Had an attendance of 10,123 for a gate of just shy of a mil. 
952,000. Okay, so I did my preview you guys saw. I mean, I feel like it sort of held up. I mean, there's just not enough evidence to really know if it held up. Um, but there were pieces that I thought were like really important that I that I really thought were um, valuable. So Francis defeats Junior at uh, 1 minute and 11 seconds in. 71 seconds he wins. You know what no- I've noticed about Francis and the way opponents uh, react to him is... Um, I think they underestimate how well he uses his reach. I think they underestimate his reach. And they underestimate his hand speed. So what did I think were the keys for Junior? Well, first of all, if you guys went back and saw my preview, I, you know, I, I don't really do predictions anymore because nobody really knows what's going to happen. And I don't mean in some Miss Cleo sense. I mean like the amount of variables that you have to weigh to be consistently kind of right. There, I'm just not sure that kind of expertise it really exists. Beating spreads in betting is a little bit different than just sort of up, down, who's going to win. So in any event, um, so it's not that I didn't think Junior could win. It's just that I thought, as I noted, he had much less of a margin for error. And the way I thought he could win was to really go after the leg kicks. And if you notice, he threw one really hard, and it nearly took Francis off of his feet. And I was like, there you go. There you go. And there was a couple times where Francis was trying to corral him, and he ducked under the right hand and circled back to the center. I was like, dude, okay, you can work with this. He was ducking off and landing a jab to the body. Like, there's a lot he was doing. But then I noticed he just threw that overhand right, and um, it missed. And then he realized he was way out of position, and then literally turned his, after he got hit once, then turned his back and got hit a second time and then just dropped. Like, I think what ends up happening is people get way too comfortable with him way too quickly. Way too quickly. I, it is my belief it is my belief that if you're going to fight a guy like Francis, depending on what your skill sets are, ways to potentially beat him are one, you got to stay far away early. You need to take whatever he's got at the beginning of a fight and diminish that before you really begin to engage him with the hands, unless you have a similar kind of reach. Now, John Jones has one inch of a reach advantage on Francis, 83 to 84, so maybe he could be the exception to that rule, but... I think what I'm trying to say is I see people fight him the wrong way every time. Every time they get in there and they just want to mix it up with him before he's ever been diminished at all. Stipe was a little bit different because he went and wrestled pretty close to right away, maybe I think a couple of minutes in if, if memory serves, and he was really good with the wrestling. And so that kind of made a difference. But I see people being out there like, oh, I'm going to start mixing up and trading with him if not in the pocket, but like these blitzes where they come in, they may land one, they may half land one, they may get blocked one, they may miss one, and now you're in the middle of the space that's just, you know, you're chum in the water at that point. I do not recommend fighting him like that. That does not seem to me like the optimal way to get a victory. Seems like to me, you got to work his body, you got to stay at range, you got to stay far away. You need to diminish his ability to throw. You need to diminish his ability to make diverse choices. You need to make you you need to diminish his ability to explode on you, to react. You got to take a lot of that away. Take whatever he's got, take it away, a part of it anyway, and then really begin to go after the other parts of your game. And that's going to be hard to do in any kind of three round fight. But this wasn't a three round fight. This was a five round fight. And if you know one thing about Junior Dos Santos, he has impeccable cardio all the time. All the time. Didn't like the strategy. Didn't like the shot selection. Again, parts of it I thought were going really well for a you know, fleeting moment here, fleeting moment there. But I didn't get it. I didn't understand a lot of the strong fight picks either. And again, this is not some kind of thing like, oh, that was the right prediction. That was the wrong prediction. But rather, 
You're fighting a guy like JDS, excuse me, like a guy like Francis, who's got an 83-inch reach, who hits like a, maybe a guy like we've never seen before in MMA. Um, and, you know, is willing to throw, it seems. Like whatever previous concerns he had about throwing, those are all gone, at least for the most part anyway. And, um, and then people wanted to say JDS had a good chance when JDS has not wrestled recently. I noted Mark Montoya was like, well, you go back and watch the Shane Carwin and Roy Nelson fights, and he did. Fair point. That would have been a fine strategy. It's just that's not what he does anymore for reasons that remain a little bit unclear. So there was that part. And then the other part was if you're going to mix it up with jabs, man, like, okay, but that shouldn't be the first order of business. Or maybe a jab to the body to get away or something like that. Really, you know, sharp edge, knifing him to the body. Okay, fine. But I thought leg kicks, I thought teeps, you know, get that guy away from you. Push into him. Tack him to the body where he's not even thinking about it. Because I think he's so used to thinking, like, all I need is a numbers game. Like, I okay, I landed one punch, you didn't go out. I just need a few more. Okay, one more, you didn't go out. I landed one more, okay, then you went out. It's sort of what that must be going through. Is that he must know he's got that kind of power. So, dude, you got you to gotta take all of that away to the point where he keeps fighting that way and you keep drilling him to the legs and body. Tear down the structure of everything that makes his power his power. Then get after it. And that that's hard. And that takes a while. And that, by the way, that's risky too. That's risky too. But people, I think, want to go in there and they want to Francis Francis. They want to go in there they want to bomb on him like it was nobody's business and take things away. I, I Unless you've got a ridiculously good chin, which, by the way, Francis is a pretty good chin, uh, and JDS had one, and I think after the Kane and Stipe Wars, the first Stipe fight anyway, it's not the same. I don't think that's an insult. I just think that's the reality of things. you got to be very, very, very careful fighting that guy. If you're not going to be very careful, you know, I don't know. I don't know. And if you're not going to go for the leg kicks or teeps up the middle or front kicks or something, some way to get away from the guy, maintain distance, really stick and move, stick and move, stick and move. It's going to be hard to beat him. So now the question is, like, what do you do with Francis? And Dana White was like, oh, I couldn't promise a title shot. I mean, well, you can. <laughs> you can. What would you rather see at this point, DC versus Stipe 2 or DC versus Francis? And I had someone writing me being like, put some respect on DC's name. Francis can't beat him. Well, then why, why make fights? Right? Oh, well, you've declared now that Francis can't beat him, so why, do, why make fights? Like, I don't understand this at all. Like, if you ask me who to pick, I think DC's maybe one of the best heavyweights ever, if not the best. And I would pick a DC to win. He's a phenomenal talent. But the reality is um, I want to see that a lot. The, the, the one knock on Francis, and it's not his fault, is he just keeps <laughs> blowing through these guys, these former champions, so you don't really know how much his wrestling has improved. Like, after this fight is over and then the Kane, the Kane fight was over, did you really get a clear sense of how his wrestling has improved? I'm sure it has. He's training with great guys. Eric Nixick, who, by the way, is going to be on my uh, radio show later today. You know, that's a talented coach, man. Like, there's no doubt in my mind he's gotten better. But I'm just saying, from an evidentiary standpoint, not who who's in the training room, but on the actual octagon surface, do we have evidence that's improved? Again, I'm not saying it hasn't. I'm just saying, dude, there's been, like, we don't really know because no one has pushed him. Uh, you feel like DC might might test that theory. And maybe he gets knocked out too, you know, but maybe not. To me, that's infinitely more interesting. And I do think, by the way, Stipe is going to make a strong account of himself uh, this weekend. I expect the fight with, with DC to go much more 
uh, be much closer than it was the last time. No doubt about it. Uh, but if you're asking me like which one is much more exciting, it's that one. And by the way, it, 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 okay, forget the forget the Cormier fight. Just make Stipe, or excuse me, make the Francis the winner. He gets the winner of, of this weekend, or UFC 240. I'm sorry, did I say this weekend that Stipe was fighting? My mistake. I think it's 241 he's fighting, right? Sorry about that. So give Francis the winner of that. Problem solved. Like, who else could be the number one contender at this point? Francis had a remarkable comeback. You know, he lost to Stipe, and I was really worried about him after that one because it wasn't just that he got beat up a little bit. He got beat up round over round over round over round. We had a guy who wasn't necessarily throwing the most savage ground and pound of all time, but was just steady beating on him. And it went on for 25 minutes. You know, for, for a lesser fighter, that can change people. And I think it did mess him up a little bit. You guys saw that. He comes out in the Derek Lewis fight and was not himself. But I think since then has really looked, uh, not looked back, changed some things. Whatever he's done, yeah, it's a testament to his uh, mental fortitude. It's a testament to his training. It's a testament to a lot of things. And so that's been really great to see. But who else could be the number one contender, man? Let me look at the rankings here. Like, I can't even imagine who they might put up ahead of him. I mean, I guess if John Jones wanted to come up after this weekend, that would kind of change things. But at heavyweight, you got Stipe and then Francis, then Junior. Stipe's fighting Daniel at 241, I think, right? Something like that. And then Francis just won. Junior just lost. Then you got Curtis Blades. And then five is Derek Lewis. Francis, well, I guess you could do the rematch with Lewis, but he's coming off of a win. And Francis has beat Blades twice. Why would you do that? So, uh, you know, I don't know who on earth else that could be. It seems to me like that's the easy call. So I don't know what they're going to do. You know, again, I think, I mean, Dan is trying to give himself some wiggle room, which is uh, in the event that there's some kind of controversy and they need to do a third fight between DC and, and, and Stipe, I guess they will. But, you know, I, I, I tend to think as a promoter of not, you can still say, look, we have to figure it out, make sure that fight goes as smoothly as it's supposed to, that there's no judging issue, there's no refing issue. But if you're asking which fighter is the next one in line, it's pretty clearly this guy. And by the way, in the co-main event, they build it explicitly as a title eliminator. So anyway, phenomenal win by Francis. I just, it's so weird for a guy so powerful and with such a long reach and good hand speed, I don't see people fighting him all that well. With like great, great strategies. Uh, and and Junior, again, thin margin for error, admittedly. But he had some of that ability to give that a try. And you just didn't see it. You didn't see it, or not, not much of it anyway. Uh, Joseph Benavidez taking on Juicy Formiga. He wins 447 of the second round. Benavidez convinced me, man, that that's the fight to make next. Now, I guess Cejudo's on ice, right, until they can figure out what's up with his uh, shoulder injury and on all the rehab after the surgery. For folk I've talked about before, I've had shoulder surgery, and if you've never had it, I had a torn labrum. I had it so bad that my shoulder was falling out of its socket in my sleep. Uh, it was incredibly painful and awful. So, um, you remember the shoulder, let me pull the thing here. The shoulder moves this way, it moves this way, you know, it kind of just rotates. It's hard to heal. It takes a while for that thing to heal. So, um, I don't know how long he's going to be on ice. I don't know. I don't know. It's hard, hard to say exactly, but... If you're asking me, like, which fight should be next, man, I mean, as good as, and as much as I like Aljamain Sterling, and, and, and he's deserving as well, I suppose people are like, well, you could do an interim bantamweight fight between um, Aljamain Sterling and Peter Yan. I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to that, depending on what the timeline looks like. 
But Joseph Benavidez, man, is a warrior. This guy was in a bit of a Rich Franklin scenario for a long time and then stayed the course, stayed the course. He's always taken tough-ass fights. I mean, look at the guys that Joseph Benavidez has fought, right? This is since... Okay, so since losing to Demetrius Johnson in the split decision at UFC 152, he fought Ian McCall, Darren Union Oyama, uh, Juicier Formiga, beat him with TKO to the body in the first round. Then he lost to Demetrius Johnson with that hellacious knockout punch in the first round. Then fought Tim Elliott, Dustin Ortiz, John Moraga, Ali Bagautinov, Zach Makovsky, Henry Cejudo, who he beat. I thought it was controversial. I, actually, I, I scored it for Henry, but hey, I got outvoted. Sergio Pettis, uh, he lost to, but came back against Alex Perez, Dustin Ortiz, and then Juicier Formiga. Dude, like that, give that guy a title shot already, please. Please, that is a ridiculous... I mean, look at the names he's beaten. Jeff Curran, Big Frog, he's beaten. Hani Yaya, Miguel Torres. You guys don't remember Vagny Fabiano. He was a great fighter over in uh, WEC. Ian Loveland, Eddie Wineland, Yasuhiro Urushitani. Yasuhiro Urushitani was like one of the original flyweight guys when the UFC was putting together the division. He was the one of the king shits over in um, Japan. I mean, and you know, Joe B beat him inside two rounds. Give this guy a title shot, please. And I love the way he called himself Joey two times because that feels like what it's been for him. He's had to make a couple of rotations to get where he's at now, but I don't know who else you would give that to at the top of that. And then this one was a number one contender's fight, even if the UFC didn't declare it, which, by the way, they did declare it. And um, and he went out there and he still won. He went out there and he still won. Amazing performance by him. I really was impressed. And switching stance through the combination to land the head kick, he goes for that knee tap. And then he has all kinds of setups from it. This was all, not off the knee tap, but I'm just sort of speaking about all the things that he does. So he sets up the knee tap, and then he has different kinds of entries and weird setups. And uh, I love the thing that he said, like, if you take me down, uh, you're taking yourself down. So he has this incredible ability to scramble. How does he do it? He goes one side to the next and then just creates pockets. I, if I was doing the Monday Morning Analyst, I would go over it. But um, suffice to say, that's not what we're going to do today. Um, but yeah. Like it's 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 incredible. It's incredible what he's put together, and he's been through team changes, and he's been through some overhauls, and you know, um, it, it and has remained competitive. By the way, how old is this guy at flyweight? He's thirty four years old at flyweight, man. If you don't give him a title shot now, I don't know when he's going to get it. Like, clock's ticking for flyweight. That's got to be a little bit on the older side. Obviously, still incredibly competitive, but I'm just saying, like, um, I don't know how much longer he can keep up this version of his prime, and. To me, he's earned it. To me, he's earned it. Who is the flyweight rankings? What do they got? You got Formiga at one, Benavidez at two. That's going to switch. Pantoja at three. Figueredo, Elliott, Bonturin, Benoit, Espinosa, France, Perez, Paiva, and Schnell. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, he's your runaway consensus contender, uh, number one contender at that point. There just can be no doubt about it. So I would love, 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 love for him to get a title shot, uh, and I think he's earned it, and he had a great call out on the mic. He's been a pro's pro. He's a good person. Yeah, give him one. Get, absolutely give him one. Uh, Demi and Maya defeating Anthony Rocco Martin. 29-28, 29-28, and then 28-28. This was a really interesting fight. In many ways, this was the most interesting fight in the card, not because of the stakes for the division, but for each fighter. So you had Demi and Maya losing to Colby Covington, losing to Kamaru Usman, losing to Tyron Woodley. Coming back, and then he just blew through Lyman Good. Okay, so you knew he wasn't done, but you didn't know how good he was, and was there a bit of a blueprint if you had the right skills to beat him? Maybe. Then, uh, you look at Anthony Rocco Martin, a guy who got in the UFC, arguably, I would say, even before he was ready, 
loses three of his first four, but finds a way to hang on, got better and better and better and better and better, started as a purple belt who could wrestle, became a black belt who could really wrestle very well in MMA, beating Ryan LaFleur via head kick KO, and he came into this fight riding a ton of momentum. He had beaten Kaita Nakamura, which is not the biggest name, but certainly a well-respected one. He submitted Jake Matthews. Uh, he knocked out Ryan LaFleur, and then he beat Sergio Moraes. Sergio Moraes is a legit black belt world champion. I was thinking to myself, now, he doesn't have the same game as Demi and Maya, not by a million miles, but that's impressive. And you thought to yourself, well, wait a second, something's got to give here. Either Demi and Maya is past it, or Anthony Rocco Martin, who has been a real, a real candidate in my mind for most improved fighter of the year, is about to is about to let people know what time it is. And maybe if the fight was five rounds, I kind of thought that um, that Demian was fading a little bit, but it wasn't. It was a three round fight, and Demian did what Demian did. I thought Martin put up a pretty good account of himself. One of the judges', judges scorecards thought, thought it was a draw. The other two at least gave him one round. I think that's probably fair. I think I would have had it the first two rounds for Demian and the second one, but. The reality is, like, Martin didn't get beat up, didn't get his back taken for super long periods of time. He was controlled for long periods of time, but in different ways. He never let the fight get too far out of hand. He did better than a lot of people have done. So, in the end, Maya showing his overall ability and skill level is still um, uh, not merely commendable, but a force to be reckoned with in that welterweight division, even at 41 years of age. But I have to say, Anthony Martin, I think, made a pretty strong account of himself. I'm sure he's disappointed because this was that moment where he was like, okay, now I'm going to turn the corner, baby. Now I'm going to turn the corner. Now I'm going to make something happen. I'm, I'm going to show everybody how good I am. And um, God, came just short, man. Came just short. So I think he'll regroup. I think he's got some big wins ahead of him. Um, it's amazing, man. Like, they're... It's one of the situations where it's like, oh, this guy may have lost because there wasn't enough tape on him. There's all the tape in the world on Demian, including for all of his tripod attacks. BJJ scouts done a ton, and I'm sure these fighters at this level can do their own version of that. And people still can't do shit about, <laughs> shit about it. It's ridiculous. It's like I've never seen a guy with a more singular kind of game where you know, like you, you can study it in great detail. It's not, it's not a mystery. You don't... He's not going to come out and like fake you out and do something different. Oh, well, you don't know where the punch is coming from. You know exactly where it's coming from. You don't know which side the takedown's coming from. You know exactly which side it's coming from. It's just a total inversion of what most people in MMA want. Like for example, this is the thing that he used to get. Uh, he didn't get he didn't get Colby or those other three guys with it, but he got a lot of people. Like he got Masvidal with it or Brown with it. What he does is Maya shoots in for a takedown. You sprawl and then. Uh, if you don't sprawl at just the right angle or back off at right, the right angle, what he does is he just kind of baseball slides underneath and then pulls you on top when he gets to half guard. No one really does that. No one actually like baseball slides if you don't come off. like You have to go uh, like this. You can't get off at a right angle because if you get off at a right angle, he just scoops you with his legs, which is kind of unheard of. He like inverts that in MMA because people don't want to be underneath. But the difference with Demi and Maya is he's all too happy to be underneath right there. It's the same thing kind of. He has a different game, obviously. It's the same thing with Rafael Lovato Jr. Like, you sprawl on him. You better sprawl at the right angle because otherwise, you saw in the Monday Morning Analyst, the last one I did, he's going to fire that underhook. He's going to step over the lead side leg, and it's going to be a problem for you. And most guys can't launch meaningful offense, either an inversion of position or some kind of submission or a back take or whatever from that space. But he can, and he does. And 
um, that changes the calculus about what you can do and when you can do it. But it turns out if you're a very athletic, you know, D1 All-American level wrestler, you'll probably be fine. Anything short of that right now, he's still beating them. It's pretty funny, right? All right, Vince Pichel defeating Roosevelt Roberts. This was a nice win for him, I thought. 29-28. This one I did not see coming. I thought Roosevelt was going was gonna to win here. Um, credit to Vince, man. I think may have gotten off to a bit of a slow start, but what he just, he just, it looked like to me like the, the takedown defense of Roberts kind of fell apart. And when it did, Vince was just able to control and pass to a degree and then la- la- launch ground and pound. And then the other part here was that it seemed to me, and I could be wrong about this, but it seemed to me that what was happening was Ro- Roberts was realizing his takedown defense was failing which was then making him second guess all the offense on the ground. Like he was not fighting the takedown as hard because I think he knew, or at least maybe he felt like if I fight it, I'm going to lose. And if I lose, I don't want to be in a, the, the, the takedown battle. I don't want to be in a position where I can't protect myself underneath. And so you saw him sort of prioritizing the second layer of defense over the first, which just made, it just compounds the problem over and over again. Um, but, but Vince Pichel just putting in a veteran performance, attacking him everywhere. That's really what I thought was. In the clinch, he was attacking. On top, he was attacking. At range, he was attacking. And not every attack worked, and not every attack was necessarily pretty. But he was the one, over time, just in every phase of the game, he was the one leading the attack. And, and sometimes it's fine to counterfight. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you're getting taken down, and if you're blocking too much, and if you're not landing the right punches and you're not making enough contact, maybe you should start leading. And I thought Roberts just sort of slowly became defensive over the fight generally. Uh, even in the stand-up, you saw, you know, when, when Roberts was moving forward, he was having some success. When he was moving backward, it was a lot less of a problem. Like an old live chat. Got to pull out the old Diet Mountain Dew, y'all. Tasty. Anyway, so that's just an experience issue. That was only what his ninth or tenth fight. That was his ninth fight. That's an experience issue. He'll get better. He'll his skills will mature. He could maybe stand to put on a little bit of muscle mass, um, not a ton, but a little bit, a little bit. But uh, he's got all the ability in the world. He's a very, very talented guy. I just feel like he had a real dogged veteran fighter who wasn't going to mentally wilt who had a lot of skills himself and just knew if I can hammer, 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 everything will kind of fall into place. And I think that's what you saw. Uh, Drew Dober defeating Marco Polo Reyes. This was just a boxing clinic, 107 of the first round. Dober from the southpaw stance, Reyes from the orthodox stance. Dober getting out of the way of the punch on the left hand and then firing one of his own down the lane, dropped him, followed off. There's not much to say about it other than that. thought Reyes might give him a little bit of trouble if Dober like obliged him. But Dober's boxing looked pretty good here. Uh, Alonzo Menafield defeating Paul Craig at 319 of the first round. This is an interesting one. Uh, I love Paul Craig's durability. I love his willingness to play a guard game in modern MMA. Um, yeah, I like all those things. But against Alonzo Menafield, that was a tough out, man. That was a, that was an uphill climb for him, no matter what. Menafield strong as strong as all get out. And then on top of it. Um, The the, what was a spinning back kick or turning back kick that he threw? 
where it was like almost like a Weidman versus Rockhold scenario where you just get out of the way and then you can attack them from there. And so by the time, like it's almost like a sacrifice throw. Like what's the sacrifice throw? It's where you have to go to your back to, to get the throw. He had to roll to his back after missing the shot badly by Paul Craig. And then by the time he turns, he doesn't have time to ready his defense. He had to ready his defense in the transition. If you're turned and your hands are down, it's too late. You gotta, you have to have the defense up so that by the time you turn, it's in place. And that maybe would have saved him. Maybe it wouldn't have. I don't know. It, it, it's, it's hard to say, but it would have been – what I mean is in terms of winning or losing the bout. It would have saved him in that particular occasion, obviously. But um, it was just too late. It was just too little too late. And Menafield, dude ridiculous power, good hand speed. Uh, you know, looks to me, when he's at distance, he's a little bit unsure of some of the striking needs. But if you get anywhere close to boxing range, that's a real dagger of a place to be. He, I thought Paul Craig, was doing some of the things I wanted JDS to do against Francis. Somewhat similar games, uh, or at least uh, um, uh, stand-up portions of the games. <clears throat> Paul Craig is not the same as JDS. What I'm trying to say is, Paul Craig had, I thought, had to do some of the same things in the stand-up that I thought JDS had to do. When I say game, I don't mean that their games are similar, but the game they had to employ. Um, you know, was trying to sort of stay at range, and when there was one, he was trying to pull. To, he was trying to pull to guard to go to a submission, but you saw him throwing those kicks, trying to like back him up a little bit, when, unless he was really ready to to make that um, to close that distance on his terms. But he was just going to the well for something he just wasn't setting up fully, I think, every time. And, you know, he missed that one time and then paid for it. Barbas is hilarious. He didn't want to be here. Then I throw him out of the room. And now he's, I can hear him leaning into the door. And then the door is leaning into, like, the lock. Idiot dog. Uh, all right. Ricardo Hamosh taking on Journey Newsom. Didn't watch. Eric Anders just blew through. Vinicius Mojeda. By the way, Vance Swerden was a referee. I've heard good things about him. I've heard he's a pretty good referee. He was out of his depth in this one, letting that fight go way too long. Three brutal shots at the end there that did not need to happen. One or even two, you're like, okay, but dude, once you get to three, you're just watching it take place. You need to intervene much quicker. So I've heard he's a good referee. He he did not have a good night on Saturday night. Uh, Jared Gordon defeating Dan Moray or Dan Moret. I forget how you pronounce it. Uh, how about this guy? D- I, I think it's Dalsha Lung- uh, Bula defeating Daquan Townsend. Daquan Townsend had some nice hand speed, really good hand speed. But Bula had great judo, great takedowns, uh, decent control on the ground. They could have stood that one up a little bit from my tastes because he wasn't doing a whole lot in terms of either passing the full guard of Townsend a couple occasions nor launching heavy ground and pound. But when that dude landed that one shot and then kind of hurt him and then, th- and then throttled him thereafter... I mean, did you see his traps? Did you see the traps on Dalsha, Lugia, and Bula? And I, here's the funny part about it. A dude like that doesn't have to do anything to get traps. He's just, like, genetically gifted. He has traps that, I, I mean, you know, he's got, like, do you guys know, um, oh, what's his name? I think I know what his name is. Hold on. Do you guys know who... Uh, um, uh, Tian Tian Tao is, or even uh, Lu Xiaojung. These are Chinese weightlifters. These dudes, they have traps that I swear to God, you could you could rest Noah's Ark on those things. They are enormous, enormous. Tra- Dalsha Lugiambula has the most impressive traps in the UFC. I'm gonna go ahead and make a claim. 
I'm going to make a claim because there's a guy like me who I, I naturally have awful traps. You know, I try to work on them and I can't. Uh, you know, traps would be like one of my favorite muscle groups. And um, and uh, his are just like up to his ears. I, mean, I did shrugs yesterday. You know what I mean? I could feel it in my back a little bit. I did shrugs yesterday. And I looked at his traps and I'm like, I'll never have traps like that. I could do shrugs. I could do upright rows. I could do, you know, boulder carries. I could do everything you can to get your traps huge. And I'll never have traps like that, dude. Uh, the most impressive traps. You know what? I'm going to say in MMA. Who's got more impressive traps than Lugie and Bula in MMA? Trick question. The answer is no one. Uh, very, very impressive. Uh, let's see. And then Amanda uh, Hebos defeating Emily Whitmire. She just ran through her on the ground. It was That was just a skill differential. And then Maurice Green defeating Junior Albini. That probably is the end for Junior Albini because that's four in a row for him, I think, if I'm not mistaken, that he's lost. He won his first fight, right, which was nice because I think he won a performance bonus. Then he lost to Orlovsky. Uh, then he lost. He got submitted by Olenek. And then he fought Jair Zinho Rosenstruck, Rosenstruck, who punches apparently like... Uh, doomsday in superman comics and then maurice green uh you know and green could probably tighten up some things i think that's putting it nicely but uh certainly got a nice win winning inside the first round so there you go your performance of the night bonus went to francis joseph alonzo and eric yeah it sounds about right i might have given one outside of eric to no i guess eric i guess eric yeah yeah i think that's fair I think that's fair. He got a nice. He he needed a bat win badly too, um, and up up a division. By the way, he looked like he was filling out in the weight class as well, which was nice to see. So, um, so yeah. So remember, he fought Tiago Santos at light heavyweight on short notice, then went back to middleweight, lost to Elias, then got smoked by Khalil Roundtree. But then in this fight, sort of showed what what he has uh, in terms of capability, not merely as an athlete, but. Um, you know, he's just making good reads. He's making good reads on when the guy was open and what to throw, and then really good finishing instincts. I really like what I saw. So, so that was that. Um, all right, who's got questions? Shoot me one, folks. I'm so jealous of Lou Gambula's traps. It's not even funny. All right, let's go. Yeah. Okay. Will Nganu's power in an always stale division put him in a position to be a longtime title contender even though he lacks top-level technique? Yeah, I made this point on Twitter. Like, can you say he's the best wrestler in that division? Nope. Although, maybe it's better than we think. We just don't really know right now. Can you say he's got the best jiu-jitsu? Seems unlikely. I'm not even sure, like, from a technical standpoint, he's got the best striking I've ever seen. But what he does have is vicious power. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not suggesting to you he has no skill. He is very skilled. Very, 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 very skilled and only getting better from what we can see. Um, on the other hand, it's when you've got brute force like that, if you can take a measure of skills and apply it effectively, you can see what the result is. It's, it's just... It's lights out. It's lights out ability. So it's what's wild that like you know as a general rule, if you're trying to evaluate a fight and you want to think who's going to win, you're trying to you know predict or decide or which way you want to lean, however you want to describe it. Typically, skills are going to win fights. I thought JDS was more skilled, but 
in many capacities, it just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like, the fact that JDS was a jiu-jitsu black belt there, if he wasn't going to wrestle, he's more skilled overall, but it doesn't matter. It, it, it does him no good. Uh, let's see. Jesus, there's a bunch of these. Okay. Do you think Nganu could defeat Jones with only power? Well, there's no such thing as only power because power by itself does nothing. Power with a punch does something. Do I think that Nganu could knock out Jones? Well, he can knock out anybody. The question is, you're, what you're asking is, relative to JDS, how much of a margin of error does John Jones have? I would say a little bit more of a margin for error, in part because he's got a he's got literally a longer reach than Francis does. Now, only by one inch, but relative to who Francis is commonly facing, that's unusual. In fact, I don't think he's ever fought anyone with a longer reach than him. Um, I need to double-check that, but I'm fairly certain that's true. So, that would be part of it. Plus... Dude, Jones is going to wrestle him. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I I have not spoken to John, as you can well imagine. I've not talked to his coaches about it, but he, I, I said this before. Like, you can think whatever you want about John in terms of the PDs or what, what, whatever you want to believe from now until the end of his career, you are entitled to believe. I'm just telling you, that's maybe the smartest fighter I've ever seen. Not just one of the most physically talented, one of the smartest ones. He's going to wrestle him. Now, not I'm not I don't know how fast I'm not sure he's going to run across the octagon and then just dive in on his hips. I don't know how that's going to go, but yes, wrestling is going to be a key component with what he does because if he gets Francis down and holds him down, dude, John has nightmare ground and pound nightmare. He will body him on the ground. So if he doesn't finish him in the first and they get back out for the second, Francis's face is going to be a, is going to be a mess. Now you're saying, well, couldn't Francis knock him out and stop the takedown? Of course, of course. Of course, there's, there's no doubt about any of that. I'm just pointing out, like, if I'm thinking about what John Jones could do in that scenario, that's what I'm thinking. And what I think he would likely do, he wants to, why, like, he didn't even want to fight Cormier with a weight disadvantage. You think he wants to stand and trade with Francis? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Uh, do your thing, Luke. We've got you back. Is there anything you can talk about with the migration of Vox employees to other sites and companies? Not, uh, not right now. Not right now. Um, I appreciate the support. Um, you know, any one of those questions is better put to those people rather than for me on their behalf, um, quite candidly. So, so for the time being, I, I'll skip that one. Uh, no question as usual, this person says, from Jacob, putting down $25, my man. That goes a long way. Just on my lunch break and tuning in for a bit. Can't wait for news going forward. Thank you. Keep up the great work. Yes, coming soon. Coming soon. Uh, what's up, Donk? Hope you're doing well. Can't wait to see what's next. Always enjoy the content. Love and support from Scotland. I'm dying to go to Scotland. Not been. Been to the UK a couple times. Many times. Never been to Scotland. Uh, breakdown for noons versus... I never... Have we decided um, if we think it's Nunes or noons? I've heard both. I don't know what the answer is. Does it go five rounds or is it over quickly? Uh, Holm is a survivor unless it's on the ground. So maybe... Amanda takes it there. You might hear my baby crying. It's okay if you hear the baby crying. Y'all hear? I don't know if you can hear. I don't know if the mic can pick it up. <laughs> Mia Moore. It's okay. She can cry. Um, I would suspect it might go long. Only because home, you know, sticks and moves and doesn't take a ton of abuse. If Amanda lands a big shot, of course not. If she decides to take it to the ground, that could change things. 
So maybe, but I would expect it probably goes the distance. Say MAGA, fool. Would you ever consider a meet and greet maybe with the USO? Yeah, sure. I don't know who the hell would want to meet me, but um, I would never say no to the troops. I feel, oops, someone says, I feel like DC does better against Nganu than Stipe. I feel like Stipe couldn't hold him down for long. It will only be harder now. Your thoughts? Could be. Again, this is one of the sort of unknown questions is we don't really know how much his takedown defense has improved. Maybe it's improved a little bit. Maybe it's improved an enormous amount. Maybe it's improved not at all. Like, it's just impossible to say. My hunch is that it's improved a lot. But against a guy like DC who likes to work when people are tripoded and um, can do important stuff, like in those positions or these, these transition ones where you think you're getting your base back, and then he, Ben Askren's is sort of a similar way, and then they just unload on you. I don't know. And then they leave submission openings like... I don't know. I kind of feel like he might work. Um, top three favorite movies. I don't know about all time. Uh, this year, you know, top three this year would be uh, Birds of Passage, as I said on the MMA uh, beat. Um, you know what movie's out on Netflix right now? If you guys haven't seen it, I, I can't recommend it more for this year, is uh, Into the Spider-Verse. It's a cartoon about this kid named Miles. I think he lives in uh, Spanish Harlem. Uh, and it's about essentially this opening in the in the uh, universe that allows for uh, a series of uh, different Spider-Men to all get together. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. That doesn't trust me. That doesn't ruin the plot at all. The animation's incredible. The storytelling's incredible. The characters are likable. The action is fun. The music's uh, a great fit. I can't recommend that enough. And for all ages too. I mean, some people just don't like um, superhero movies. This one's a little bit different. This is a really good... Often you'll find that the animated superhero movies or um, shows are, in my judgment, like from just from a literary standpoint, much better than the movies. Much better. This is a movie, but um, uh, what I mean to say is the uh, sort of commonly acted ones. Like, Endgame was fine as the f for the final battle scene or whatever, but it wasn't like that good of a movie. Is Francis working on Have a Good Wrestling Coach? Going to find out. Going to talk to Eric Nixick today at, I think, 4 p.m. Howdy. Do you think there should be more consideration for 10-8 rounds for grappling dominance? I would love to know your thoughts. That the grappling dominance there would have to be holding position through transitions combined with either close submission attempts and or damage. So if you took mount and as they rolled, you took back. And as they rolled, you kept mount. And then the whole time you're like throwing up submissions or trying to bang on them with elbows and it's hurting them and bloody them. Yeah, sure, under those considerations. But simply by virtue of holding back for a whole round, probably not. Well, like, let's say a body triangle. Look, why don't you respect people that went to journalism school? Oh, I was just taking a cheap shot at some people. But, um, I, it, look, I, I, it's a bit of an exaggeration. But the point being is you, you do not need to go to journalism school. People always ask me for advice. Look, Dick, find your own path. Um, do what makes the most sense for you. But the reality is you do not need to go to journalism school to get good at journalism. And I think you see a lot of people who hide behind the imprimatur of saying um, they had gone to journalism school and then they suck at it. Like it doesn't – it's not like going to medical school or being an apprentice um, to be a plumber where these are like really valuable trades that you have to learn from other craftsmen and it takes time to get good at. It's, it's, not, it's not like that at all. Uh, not even close, and especially in the sports journalism field, it's total. It's the nonsense, and, and it does. It's not real. So, look, if that's what you want to do, because you want to go to college and you want to have something that you're interested in, then okay, I can't talk you out of it. But what I'm trying to tell you is, if you 
are curious about what to study to get you ready for the next level and to do something in journalism that's going to be valuable, do not go to journalism school. Do not. Um, and this actually sort of has been something I've been thinking a lot about. Like, um, so people are like, oh, what's your announcement going to be? Like, okay, I've, I've got nothing to do with the athletic. I, my only relationship to the athletic is I'm a customer. Okay, that's it. I pay to, to watch and read that stuff. Um, and, and let me tell you, I, I was thinking more about it. Um, I would really recommend if I was you guys out there paying for the athletic. And I, I see every time they tweet a link or I tweet one of their links, someone gets out there and is always like, LOL, imagine paying for journalism. The argument is not that you want to pay for journalism or not pay, although I would argue like you get what you pay for. You get the free stuff. There's a reason why it's free. But uh, you can get good free stuff too. Um, although I would say that the, the denseness of the quality over the athletic is pretty much unrivaled. But here's the point about it. When, when all those guys leave, they always do this thing like, oh, here's why I'm joining the athletic. And they've all got their own reasons, sometimes personal. Sometimes there was more of a business aspect to it. And one of the things that you really need to consider is um, how the business model, and I don't mean the ad-driven one, I mean the content strategy at some of the, uh, the bigger sites works. It, it, they are giving you exactly what you want in a way that a site never has. Uh, this is true for any major site. Uh, and readers tend to be more unhappy about it than ever. Like if you think about, for example, um, to a degree what Netflix does, Netflix's whole idea is just to keep you on the platform as much as possible. They do invest in certain forms of quality in terms of like, for example, with overseas acquisitions, uh, 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 you know, um, various uh, foreign movies or, um, for example, I, I mentioned just as a zombie movie, like The Train to Busan, great movie, really fun for zombie movies. But the reality is, um, as you begin to think about it, the major problem is that every time you log on with your profile, it gives you uh, a user interface that is designed to keep giving you the things you already like. It's very hard. Like if I open up a newspaper, if I bought a physical newspaper and I open it up, I might stumble upon a bunch of stories I would never have otherwise encountered. Like if I watched TV back in the 80s, I would stumble upon things just by virtue of I didn't have this opportunity to really select out things. I, I told some kind of artificial intelligence or machine learning uh, program that uh, I didn't like and that it just kept giving me what I wanted or what, I, what it thought that I wanted. It turns out what you think you want and what is much better for you are widely divergent. Widely divergent. The benefit to the athletic and the reason why you have to pay for it is one, journalism should be paid for if it's going to be good. But more than that is uh, it recreates stumble upon culture that has been absolutely lost. You need someone to recommend something to you that you wouldn't ordinarily tell a machine to figure out for you or what you wouldn't ordinarily know how to go and find. That's actually how you're going to get ahead. So how does that have to deal with journalism school? Because the best thing I can recommend for you is get good at something that has nothing to do with MMA. Get good at statistics. Get good at physics. Get good at, I don't know, something. Then bring that expertise to bear. The best way to get good at these kinds of things are to come at it from unusual angles. You are not going to get that in almost all likelihood and certainty at journalism school. You want to pay for things that are going to enrich your life 
And that may not be something you can necessarily steer on your own. And this is not me being like, oh, hand, hand, whisper, whisper, I'm joining the athletic. I'm just a customer. I am not joining them. It has nothing to do with that. The value there is in what it offers, not merely as just great reading or interesting things, is that it does something as a service that virtually nothing else in the space is situated to even do. They're situated to keep you on the site with as much content as possible by giving you back and reading traffic that which it is you like. And that has a certain value. I'm a Netflix customer. I mean, it has a certain value, right? It's not like it's all bad or something or some like terribly corrupting force. But as an alternative, that seems to me a really, really, really important distinction. We really need that. And I really can't recommend that enough. Doesn't mean every time, by the way, they recommend something, you're going to like it. Not the, not the point. Point is to diverge a little bit from the path. All right. What do we got? I got to go see my daughter off before she goes. What does UK need to do to catch up with US and Asia? Keep going. Luke, do you ever listen to any Christian metal like Antestor or Sympathy? Nope. Uh, who would you take in a Riddick Bow Lennox fight? Lennox. Will you shave your beard at 100K subs? Why the fuck would I do that? What do you ask for from your barber? Fresh cut. Uh, well, the lady who normally cuts it, let me pull this up, is, it moved to, uh, to Indy. So they shave like up high, then they fade, and then they finger cut with a razor blade uh, at the top. I go to the grooming lounge in D.C. DC. Shouts to the grooming lounge. They do a good job. Ferguson, and, and then fuck no, I'm not shaving my beard at 100K. No, I'll, do, I'll start a podcast. I'm not shaving my beard. Uh, Ferguson does a lot of crazy forward rolls to escape bad positions. Benavides did the same thing on Formiga. Do you think that role would have saved Junior? Maybe. Maybe. Hard to say. I think it's better at the lighter weight classes. Hard to say at heavyweight. Uh, maybe. But it's an interesting thought. Uh, okay, one last thing before I go here real quickly. Again, get those emails in, LukeThomasNews at gmail.com. I will put this up on podcast. You know, one thing, again, an announcement for me will be later this week or first thing uh, next week. So some, I'm, not, I'm not entirely sure. I haven't worked out all those details yet, but that's coming. So in the meantime, I want you to think about one thing. One of the reasons why I want to do it is so I could get my, – my lifting has completely gone away. Not gone away, but, like, it's been badly inconsistent. I want to get back – I told everyone that my health was fucked up, and it was. So um, so I want to – one of the reasons why I wanted to make a change was I wanted to get my health back in order. Um, people were like, are you taking a hiatus? No, I am retooling certain things. But this was another thing that really mattered to me. Like I had inherited a, a program that was very popular from somebody else, but it wasn't my program. And I tried my best to make it my program. I thought you know, in some ways I had succeeded. But in many ways, I, I never did. In fact, because I don't think you could have made it anything other than a different version of what someone else already created. Part of the next step for me that I want you guys to keep in mind, and by the way, it's like, I'm not saying better or worse. It's not, it's not that. It's just, it wasn't for me. Um, I wanted to wipe the slate clean. I have found in my career that like, and that you may find this too, um, the very best things that, not, not, not always, but typically, the very best things have been the things that I have created for myself 
around my skill sets and interest level. And if it doesn't really matter, and again, in a perfect world, uh, which we don't live in, that, you know, almost no one gets to work under those considerations. Keep that in mind. So, you know, I'm talking about a fallen world here. What I'm saying is the closer I can get to that ideal, my ideas, my skill sets, my interest level, uh, my abilities, and then I make something based on that, then it turns out it does much better, both in terms of making me happier and I think just as a content that the audience appreciates. Um, I intend to do that in the next chapter of my career. I'm thinking about the next five years. I want to do things that are built for me, by me, and in the end, I think everybody will be happier when that happens. So I wanted to say goodbye to all that and hello to the next step, which you will hear about very soon. Okay. All right, with that out of the way, please subscribe to the channel. Thank you to everybody who donated. I really appreciate that. By the way, I think I'm shooting another Eric Kerner video on Friday. So that should be a lot of fun. Hope you guys had a great weekend. I will be doing a post-fight show for UFC 239. So I'll have more content this week. But in terms of live programming, talk to you guys on Saturday night. And until then, I would say to get some sleep. I'll say this. How about enjoy your week, bitches? See you all then.